Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Thank you for joining us for the Practical Preservation Podcast. Um, Today we have... um, two representatives of the Clatsop uh, Community College uh, Historic Preservation Program in Astoria, Oregon, at the mouth of the Columbia River. Um, The program prepares students for work in the building trades with an emphasis on the preservation and restoration of historic and vintage historic or residential and commercial buildings. Students gain the knowledge and skills to plan and restore structures in historically accurate ways utilizing both traditional and modern materials and methods. The program offers classes in historic preservation theory and workshops in in practical hands-on skills. John Goodenberger is a preservationist and instructor in the Historic Preservation Program. Educated in architecture at the University of Oregon, John has guided the restoration of commercial and residential buildings in Astoria. Working also as the city's historic building consultant, he has analyzed the integrity and historic significance of more than a thousand properties. John was the chair of the State Advisory Committee on Historic Preservation and is currently a regional representative for Restore Oregon and is on the board of Columbia Pacific Preservation, a collaborative group promoting education and economic development through historic preservation. Lucent Swirldorf is the program coordinator and instructor of the historic preservation and the computer-aided design programs at Classup Community College. He earned a Master of Architecture and a Master of Science degrees from the State University of New York in Buffalo. He has organized numerous preservation workshops throughout Oregon and Washington and worked on the restoration of many historic structures. Lucen is on the boards of Columbia Pacific Preservation, the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, and the Astoria Astoria Ferry Group, working to preserve, protect, and operate the historic tourist ferry number or number two ferry. So, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry if if I mispronounced your names. You you can fix it. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having us, yes. um, Lucian Swordloff. Okay. You did okay though. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, tell me tell me about your tell me about your program. Um, you know the courses, the workshops. Your, your, are your students traditional, non traditional college students? Uh, so the program is fairly unique. It's um, it's one of the only ones on the West Coast and certainly in the Northwest. Um, it's a two-year program, um, and we have a large hands-on component. So the idea of the program is to train students in traditional building trades so they can go out and work on historic buildings. 
the program has three basic types of courses. Um, all students, like in any college program, have to take uh, general education requirements, so they have to do their math and their writing courses, which they usually complain about, but <laughs> we, tell, we tell them that they need to take those. Yes. Uh, then we have a series of more traditional classroom classes where students learn history and theory of preservation, so historic preservation theory, uh, architecture history, green building, materials and methods, project management, um, and a variety of courses like that. Uh, but the unique part of the program is the hands-on workshops. So we have a whole series of hands-on workshops where students learn uh, traditional building materials and trades uh, and different kinds of skills. Some of those we do in a shop, but we try as much as possible to go out in the field and actually work on real buildings. So we're out in the community, locally, regionally, um, in Oregon and Washington, kind of working on different projects on, on buildings. Um, so that's kind of a brief overview of, of the program. Okay. Do you um, find that your um, students are coming to you looking for second careers, or are they coming to you right out of high school? Or is it a yeah. mixture since it's a community it, college? You know, it, it really changes. Um, a few years ago, most of our students were 30-something-year-old females that were looking for different for a change in career. Um, currently we're getting a lot of 18 year old high school boys, uh, <laughs> in which you would think would be kind of the more traditional group that would go into the building trades. Uh, so being a community college, we really get a large variety of, of students really, and age ranging from 18, we've had students into their sixties and even seventies. Yeah. When I, uh, I went to a community college right out of high school and, and taking those extra classes does help. Cause then when I went on to go to school further, you know, those credits transferred, but you know, I did notice a wide range of, of experience and ages and it was I really that was one of my favorite learning experiences it was not just everybody was just academically you know that they had no experience they'd just been at school you know for all of their lives yeah and they come from a variety of different backgrounds mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of them already have bachelor's degrees some have master's degrees some have been working in the building trade some have been working in banking or insurance or doing a variety of different things and they're just looking some of them are looking to kind of improve their skills if they're contractors maybe they're just working on modern buildings and they want to really focus on uh, historic projects and some of them just don't have any experience in the building trades but they just decide this is what they want to do um, to work in the building trades okay. I mean, when, when we started this it was with the idea of essentially building um, a group of uh, contractors in the area who could do restoration so as a way to take local contractors, bring them into the schools, have them teach the skills, and develop a group of students that would go out and either become contractors on their own or join, join forces with the existing contractors. Um, and that was the original intent. But, of course, life happens, and you get a variety of different types of students um, involved with the, with the courses. Yeah. yeah, and it keeps it interesting because from year to year, we just we never know um, – what what the students are going to be, your what, base will be. Oh, where they come from, yeah. yeah. And we do um, we have a mix of full time students and part time students. So we have a fair amount of students that are going. They're working. They have families, so they're going part time. 
And then we also have students that are just interested in a particular thing. So they'll just come and take a class in plaster restoration uh, or something, and, and they're not full-time students, and they'll just come back periodically and take classes. That's, so the, uh, that's really – I know you said it's one of the only ones in the in the Pacific Northwest, but it's interesting to me that – and it shouldn't be, but that you had that need – because you know what we consider old on the east coast is much different than what's old on the on the west coast but sure. um you still have you know that the pre you know world war ii buildings before building change that need that need to be restored yeah yeah, yeah. and but but that's a good point because it yeah. is um, i'm originally from the east coast um and you know out here if a building is 150 years old that's pretty old oh yes yeah and, yeah. you know, on the East Coast, you have buildings that are 400 years old. Yeah, but the, there's babies compared to the buildings in Europe or Asia. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, well, I was looking at I did your... Wanna, cor- I did want to oh. mention, though, that um, uh, the University of Oregon does have a historic preservation program. Husband for 20 years, and then he retired last year. And now my husband's, you know, really starting to think about, you know, can he find somebody to pass these skills on to? Because it is, you know, it, it, it needs to be shared. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, it, it's also we see it happening a little bit um, on a different scale. S- several of our students who have graduated have gone out and started their own businesses, are out there working, and now they're using our students as interns and then hiring them to work with them. So it's kind of the next generation. Yes, yes, is very, taking over very, that very, role yes. of the skilled craftspeople. So, yeah. Do you have internships then in your program, or is it is it mostly just through the hands on like like coursework? Um, it's yeah, it's mostly the hands on coursework. We do have a small internship component in the program, so students have to take uh, one internship. We call it a work experience, mm-hmm. uh, and it's sixty six hours, and they go out in the field and they work with somebody uh, with either an organization or a contractor. Uh, so just so they experience something, it's. Uh, that's out of the classroom setting, so they're they're really out in in the workspace, dealing with with contractors that are working. Okay. So it, it's a fairly small component, but I I think because we have so much of the hands on workshops, they really get a feel for that real real world job experience there. Yes, yes. So um, green building and preservation, at least in my mind, are you know tied together, and you know we always say the greenest building is one that's already built. How do you integrate the new building techniques and with the traditional building? Um, well, it's we we incorporate a lot of green building concepts in classes. Yes. So so we have a green mm-hmm. building class, and the instructor for that uh, is an architect who specializes in sustainable uh, building. Um, so you know, in that class, uh, students learn about solar, passive solar. Uh, energy efficiency, insulation, you know, new materials and products and all of that stuff. Um, our focus is not so much as, as a program on those kind of technologies, uh, but I think the way we incorporate the ideas of green building is to try to restore those functions of historic buildings that make them green and that naturally right. made them green. Yeah. Right? So, so, for example, opening up transom windows and letting natural light in. Uh, making sure windows are operable so that we get ventilation. Um, yeah, I always uh, remind people that they were built before we had air conditioning, so they they worked yeah. the way the house worked was the way that you know you could stay cool. So you know yeah. it is it's it's making the building work the way it was intended to. 
Um, and, and also speaking about these older buildings uh, with green technology and all, that's really a way that we get folks interested. I mean, it's one thing to talk about the age of a building and compare, you know, West Coast to East Coast to Europe and all, and that's right. that's one aspect. But when we start talking about the historic buildings as being resources and that we can't build our way out and that we need to figure out how to work with our existing structures and that our existing structures do actually operate in a green manner, that captures their imaginations. And that, that does something that even the history, <laughs> which is my love, but even the history doesn't. Because then they see themselves as kind of moving forward in a way and becoming a part of something in that way. Yes, I, I can. I could see that. And, and also the, the idea and it's a concept, but that that embodied energy you know, the, the energy that's already there that, you know, that's a very green concept that I, I probably had worked full time in preservation for seven years before I had been introduced to it. So, you know, yeah. it, it is a. Yeah. And we tried to recycle materials as much as possible. Um, I mean, for example, we were just working on a project of an old building. We needed to rebuild a windowsill um, and it's a small town here. So there's lots of connections. So a friend of mine had a big piece of wood in his basement that he recycled from another building and he gave it to us and we cut that up and made a new window cell out of it. Yeah. So we have wood from the same period that's going into that building. Um, Do you have so, um, architectural salvage dealers um, in, the, uh, we, in the Northwest? Yeah, there, okay. there's a few here in town. Uh, there's many in Portland. Okay. Uh, we're about two hours from Portland, uh, so, so Portland has a lot of uh, salvage. Uh, but being that it's a small town here, there's a, we have a lot of connections, so we know when, when, when buildings are coming down, we know the people, and they usually contact us and say, do you want this? Uh, and we have more, more old windows than we know what to do with. I have to keep <laughs> it because we don't have a place to store them right. <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I, I, I am one of those people that as I see windows on the side of the road, we have to stop and grab them. So. <laughs> I was going to mention uh, a, a few years ago, we got a grant from the, the local gas company uh, to write a, a book on historic preservation and energy efficiency. Um, and so John traveled around the state and interviewed uh, people that were restoring buildings and looking at energy efficiency. And then we did a tour of the state uh, to present that to different communities, oh, and very, it was very good. What is the name of the book? Uh, it's, we... it's it's not very lyrical. Oh, um, <laughs> it's historic preservation and energy efficiency: a guide for historic commercial buildings. Okay, uh, very it's good. put out by Pacific Power. Um, it is available as a PDF. I can. I'll send you the link. To oh, it. very good. I'll I'll put it on the website. Um, I was I was going to also say the. I think sometimes the the concept that historic buildings are not energy efficient was really promoted by the people who were selling replacement windows and and those yeah. things rather than you know what the what the facts of of energy efficiency and historic buildings are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's real. Another big factor is uh, the region that you're in, because um, right. our region here is we're fairly temperate here, so we don't have really big swings uh, like like you do in Pennsylvania. Right. You know, hot and cold there, so it, it's a very different kind of conception of energy efficiency in buildings, and, and in a way, it's easier. 
Right, because you don't, yeah, you don't have to make it cooler and then make it make it hot. <laughs> uh, yeah. We never, we never cool around here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at your Facebook uh, project page, and it seems like you tackle a wide range of projects. Do you do that like over multiple semesters, or and how do you choose them, and you know what areas do you work in? Yeah, um, getting projects is no problem. Uh, we have more projects than we can possibly ever handle. We, we have people contacting us all the time for projects. Uh, so we, we do have a few program partners that we work with a lot, uh, like the Parks Department um, over here, uh, Napton Cove Quarantine Station. Uh, it's a heritage, heritage center across the river, the Clatsop County Historical Society. So there's several organizations that we have partnerships with, and they have historic properties and we work with them over and over again. So we might go, you know, we might be working on a project for several years uh, because, I mean, our primary function is a training facility. So, right. uh, you know, it's, we always go out and finish a project. Right. Uh, it's, it's too big of a project. So, uh, and most of these organizations are nonprofit and they're not necessarily in a rush. So we can kind of go out and work with them and kind of take, you know, do several workshops that maybe span several years to work on a project. Um, we're, we're dealing you know, mostly with nonprofits, uh, government agencies, uh, churches, things like that. Um, yeah, and that's we do, definitely feel, filling a need. Yeah, 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 because it's it's projects, for the most part, it's projects that would not get done otherwise. Right. Uh, they just don't have the funding to, to do that. And so we can provide a, a good learning experience for our students, and we can also work on real projects. Um, most of the projects we do are with local within our region, and we're right on the Columbia River, so our region includes across the river in Washington. Washington, yeah. Uh, and there are um, some of the projects we've worked on there uh, is the uh, Northhead Lighthouse, which is a historic lighthouse on the Pacific Ocean. Uh, was built in 1898. Uh, and the... Um, uh, Columbia River, uh, what is it? The, uh, we did Cape Disappointment, yeah, too, the Cape, officer houses. Yeah, there. officer houses at Cape Disappointment. Um, and Fort Columbia, which is one of the historic forts uh, on the Columbia River that was built between 1896 and 1903, uh, which is a standard uh, kind of military fort design that you oh, see yes. all over the country with officers' quarters and housing and batteries. Mm-hmm. And we've done, we've done several workshops there. Uh, we've done workshops way out in northeastern Oregon, which is about seven or eight hours away from here. But that's about our limit. Right. Uh, it's you know travel. Usually, if we're doing those kind of workshops, we'll go out for three or four days yeah. and just stay there and and do an intensive on that kind of a workshop. Yeah. And yeah. some of uh, most of our workshops are hands-on, actually working, but we do do a fair amount of documentation also. Uh, so sometimes we'll go and sometimes we combine those because uh, maybe we'll go to a site, do some documentation, uh, do measurements, take make drawings of a building, do an assessment, and then we'll come back, uh, we'll put together a uh, preservation plan, and then we'll go back later and do the actual work on the building. And and that's that's all part of the process. So that makes sense that you would you would want to incorporate all of that and teach all that into into the process because it's not. It's not just the the documentation. It's not just the hands on. So it's it's kind of to see be able to see everything. That's that's a really yeah. good exposure. Yeah, and we really stress the you know that kind of sketching and drawing to students. And we do do uh, 
a hand drawing class uh, where we go out and actually make hand hand drawings of a building. Kind of Pab's hair. Yeah, Pab's hair style drawings. Yeah. Um, and we do cat uh, stuff. So, so we kind of try to combine both of those different aspects, old-fashioned hand drafting and computer design drawing. And and both both are, um, I think both are beneficial because you can sometimes. I mean, the AutoCAD can be can be fast, but sometimes if you just need to do a quick sketch, you know, that, that could be faster also. Yeah. 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 So, um, and so, is there is there a, a reason that you chose preservation uh, for 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 teaching? Um, was was there like a, a why? <laughs> Well, this started um, in 2009, and um, I know I, for me personally, I had just lost my job in the architecture firm, and because the economy collapsed, so there was a number of us that came together and said, "Well, as long as nothing's going on in the economy, let's start a program so that when we get out, (laughs) uh, there'll be jobs. So let's start training people." Yeah. And, and Astoria has more, you know, historic structures per capita than any other uh, town in Oregon. That's pretty amazing to me. And uh, so this was the place. And uh, we were able to approach the college. The college was in the middle of rehabilitating their buildings. We just said, let's kind of do walk this talk, rehabilitate the buildings, start a program, get uh, new uh, uh, craftspeople out. Um, and and save this area because I mean we've been working on Astoria and the restoration and now it's kind of the place to come and visit on the coast. Yeah. But we've been working for many many years on that, and one of the things that we have lacked is large swaths of contractors. And so the idea was let's start training them. Yeah. And there really is, I mean, in the general community, there really is an understanding of of the benefits of preservation. Um, it's, you know, it's not a town where, where people want to just knock buildings down. They, they see these historic buildings and they see them as part of the character of the city and they want to try to preserve them. Yeah, uh, so we did, we do have a lot of community support also. That really helps so having, having the community support and having, having the buy-in from, from the, the people. So what do you, um, see as the biggest challenge in preservation or, or in, in or in your program or, you know, you can, you can answer that however, however you want. Um, well, specifically for us, um, attracting new students, especially from out of the area okay. is, is something that has always has, has been a challenge, um, it's the, the demographics of this area is changing. The population is getting older. Uh, so there's less college-age students, less school-age students. Right. So right. We, we need to, in order you know, to keep our student numbers uh, where they need to be, we need to start attracting students from out of the area. And so that's something that we're kind of working on a, a little bit uh, to do that. Um, and, and, of course, funding is always a challenge in education, yes. uh, just yes. having adequate funding to support the program. And again, with that, I mean, we've been lucky that we've had a lot of partners. Uh, the State Historic Preservation Office has given us uh, numerous grants. Yeah. Uh, uh, Restore Oregon, the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, has given us you know, grants, significant grants, uh, to support our program. Um, and then there's we, we do have a special scholarship fund just for the preservation students, that's supported by community members. So again, it's that kind of uh, community support that's really helping us. 
Well, and but you're doing you a service for the entire it. preservation community. So, yeah. 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 So, um, do you see any trends in preservation? Um, I mean, I think as, you know, in terms of affecting our program, new technologies for documentation are, are, are definitely kind of one direction that the field is, is going. And we do do a fair amount of documentation, as I mentioned. Most of it is fairly low tech. Uh, you know, we use digital cameras. Uh, I mean, we do, we do um, hand measurements and sketches. We do come back and do CAD. We do 3D models. We have been experimenting with some new technologies, so we've done some photogrammetry to do 3D models. Uh, we've, we've actually worked for a while documenting historic Columbia River gillnet boats, which was kind of a fun project uh-huh. working with the Hare Maritime uh, program. And for that, we used total stations to collect three-dimensional data, data and we even tried doing some LIDAR stuff. Uh, you know, so there's all of those kind of high uh, of collecting data. But I think for most of the projects that we're working on, which are small-scale, local kinds of projects, uh, a lot of that is a little bit of overkill. Right. Um, it is. Yeah, I, I agree. So, well, thank you so much for, for joining me today. How can, how can people find you? How can people get in touch with you or learn more about the program? Um, you can go to the college website, which is clatsopcc.edu. C-L-A-T-S-O-P-C-C dot E-D-U. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where we post uh, images of a lot of the projects that we work on. Um, and you can just search for Clatsop Community College Historic Preservation on Facebook. Or it's actually it's facebook.com slash Clatsop Preservation, all one word. Um, we're also a member of the National Council of Preservation Education. Uh, which is the National Organization of Preservation Schools. And so we're listed on their website, which is uh, ncpe.us. Okay, very good. Thank you. I will make sure that all of your contact information and the link to your book is on the website, too, for everybody that's listening. Okay, thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.